Hey legends, what's up? Welcome to a new episode of Scheme Me Up Body. And we're going to be getting into some more of uh, Season 1 of Star Trek Picard. Why we're doing a little bit of a catch up here, waiting for the new series coming up. And don't forget, on Thursdays we're going to be doing Star Trek, the original series. So uh, this episode was pre-recorded when the show originally came out. So uh, I can't remember what my thoughts were. On Star Trek Picard, 100% in this review. But uh, sit back, relax, chill out, and hope you enjoy it. This is episode 4, Absolute Candor. And I should say, before we go any further, spoiler alert. Most of my reviews on these shows and classic series and whatnot, extremely spoiler heavy. So if you haven't seen Star Trek Picard yet and you don't want to know what's going to happen I would recommend you not listening to this episode or indeed if you're on YouTube watching this episode so go watch the the episode itself and then by all means come back and check out this review video of mine but it opens up uh, on the planet Vashti in the, the beta quadrant again this episode opens up 14 years ago in flashback form and it's a Romulan relocation hub on this planet and it opens with Picard beaming down to the surface and he's there to reassure the Romulans that have been relocated that you no know, Starfleet are there to help them settle in and we go to the house of what turns out to be uh, warrior nuns that Picard has gotten friendly with on this planet uh, who are helping with the Romulans and there's a young Romulan that loves of them called oh gosh what's his name oh I've got it here in my notes Elnor gosh that's, that's a good job I'm starting to take notes in this series like I, I would have been sitting here like tripping over my words for 10 minutes trying to remember that name uh, the thing that hit me in this opening part is the relationship between Picard and this young child they are very, very friendly. And Picard reaches into his bag and he pulls out a copy of The Free Musketeers and hands the kid the book. And, you know, he's got gifts for everyone there, basically. And it's very uncharacteristic of Picard. If he knew what he was like way back at the start of The Next Generation, one of the first things he tells Riker when he first came on the Enterprise is that I need your help keep children away from me. I'm not good with children. Starfleet has given me a ship full of families. Children don't have a part on this ship. He's very, again, he's very much in the, back then, he was very much in the, the frame of mind of the, the captain has to be a figure that stands on his own, uh, an island, and, you know, no one can get in through his barriers. But this, these people and this child at the end of the episode have obviously gotten there like you know we had Wesley Crusher in The Next Generation and it took a good gosh probably in the season two if memory serves before Picard started letting him letting the barriers down of him so the fact that he's so close to these people and this child, this child uh, shows you that there's a deep deep connection with these nuns and the Romulan people for Picard. Uh, Picard is seen 
to be teaching the boy a lot of things as well as reading him the book and it shows a scene where him reading the book and the kid is sitting on tight and he puts his head down on the Picard's shoulder and a nice little call back to TNG we cut to Picard teaching the, the kid how to fence you know like sword fighting and that was a big pastime for Picard back in the next generation so that's a nice little callback right there uh, shortly after that there he gets the word that Mars is currently under attack by the synthetics and that closes out the opener to this episode uh, Picard leaves the planet never to return basically uh, we all know from the first three episodes that Picard went to Earth, threatened the hand on his resignation, Starfleet took it, so he's been stuck on Earth basically for the next 14 years since this opening happened. Uh, we get the intro to the episode, it opens up, uh, we're on Rios' ship, Dr. Gerardi, she's talking to him about space boredom and whatnot, and uh, we find out we're not going to free cloud at the minute, but Picard has ordered the ship to go to Vashti instead. Rafi isn't happy about it and there's a whole big confrontation between her and Picard and the rest of them in the hollow deck that Picard has kind of, you know, in the last episode he said he didn't really feel at home on Earth or at the vineyard or whatever, uh, but on the ship he has recreated a study in there on the hollow deck and he's using it like a captain's ready room and I thought that was a nice little touch to do that. The ship that they're on is so different and designed from anything, you know, from Starfleet. And the fact that Picard has made himself at home the way he has in this here is brilliant in my eyes. Um, again, in this episode, a character drops the F-bomb. Now, swearing isn't unheard of. And classic Star Trek but if anyone does swear back in the day the next generation the original series Deep Space Nine Voyager they would have done it in an alien language and they never did it in English and this has happened a few times in this series and it just every time it happens I just feel that it doesn't have a place in Star Trek I need to cut this crap out I, I don't mean to sound like an old fuddy-duddy here but I just don't like swearing on a Star Trek episode, it just does not sit well. You know, they're better than this. Uh, this time it's Rios that does it, and he's referring to the EMH. The EMH is active when he walks onto the holodeck, and as soon as the EMH sees him, he turns himself off and he's like, I hate that effing EMH. No need for it at all. Uh, Picard, he wants to go to the planet. To see the warrior nuns because he needs help he needs someone that can really really fight for the adventure they're going on so he's going to go and see them for that fact uh back in the cube suji is watching logs of ramda and in the logs she's talking about it's more it's more of a tv interview sort of a thing from well before she was assimilated by the borg and she's talking about Cam Madden, which is the day of annihilation that the Romulans believe in, and it refers again to the Destroyer. Now, in episode one, 
or was it episode two, we covered the fact that the Romulans are very distrustful of any synthetic life. And, you know, the Destroyer would refer to synthetics. And Soji, God lover at this point, doesn't understand why they're referring to her as the Destroyer. Uh, the Vashti planet, Picard and the, the gang, the heroes, turn up in orbit, but there's like a shield around the planet that they need to get through. And we get word, or we got word earlier in the episode, that there is a Romulan, the Romulan warlord, essentially, that, and his name escapes me. I didn't even put it down in the notes because he's more of a presence, like he's not on screen in this episode, though he does turn up in a you know, classic 60s Klingon Bird of Prey, uh, Romulan Bird of Prey, uh, but he's just there as a presence and a ship, but no character on screen. Uh, so he has got a shield barrier around the planet that they need to get through to get onto the planet. They eventually do that, Picard gets down there, uh, and he meets up with the warrior nuns who welcome him and straight away, it's like, you know, we never thought we would see you again, sort of thing. And of course, Picard comes face to face with now, and now growing up, Elnor. Now, this is going to be an incredibly interesting story between these two over the rest of the series. Like, this kid was, you know, pretty much an orphan at the beginning of this episode. Small child orphaned on an alien planet taken on by the nuns and he really did look at John Luke Picard as a father figure and one day Picard disappears and the kid doesn't see him for 14 years so yes he's grown up now Picard turns up and we know this is going to be a difficult difficult relationship within the series. Back in the cube uh, we find out Ramda tried to kill herself after Soji came to see her in the previous episode and Soji's blaming herself for it but, but uh, Narak has turned up again and he's again trying to weasel himself further into Soji's life but Soji, she wants to find out more about the ship that Ramda was on when she was assimilated and you know, he offers to try and help her find this truth um, It's a little unclear in this episode, I did briefly mention it in the last episode that I think he could switch sides before the end of the series. Could be totally wrong, but this episode again kind of reinforced that feeling for me. It's unclear whether he is just playing the part of trying to weasel himself in the whole life or he's actually really falling in love with her. Uh, back at the planet, Picard finds out he's in danger. This warlord has found out he's on the planet. There's a lot of the Romulans on the planet that are distrustful of Picard because of what happened during the relocation program and Starfleet pulling their support out. And uh, Picard, he refuses to leave the service. You know, he's, he's with the warrior nuns. He's safe enough. Uh, and Elnor, again, isn't happy that he's here at all. Uh, but he is, Elnor is the warrior that Picard needs and the nuns are like, you know, this is he their race, their clan, they're all females, there's no males there at all. 
But of course, they ended up in a situation where they took in this child, brought him up, and uh, the fact that he's male means that he cannot be what, you know, he can't officially become what they are because of his gender, essentially. It's, it's interesting that Star Trek is pulling all this sort of gender stuff into the series and you know it's 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 good stuff star trek are always historically very current in the stuff that they tackle and no surprise that they would do so in this series uh picard basically begs elnor to leave the planet but he turns his back on picard and walks out and he's like you know why the heck should i help you out like you just walked off and left me 14 years ago so at this point picard is like you know I'm going to have to leave. Um, because of the shield around the planet, he has to kill seven minutes before he can be transported to the ship. And he's walking through the streets of this little village. And there's like a bar area full of Romulans. And there's a sign outside it saying that, you know, Romulans only are very, very distrustful of any other people. And Picard sees this. And in true Picard fashion, he rips the sign down, throws it on the ground, walks over it, walks into the bar, sits down, tries to order a drink. And he's met with a lot of angry Romulans. Uh, one of which is an ex-senator of the Romulans, and he confronts Picard <coughs> about the failure of Starfleet and the relocation program. And ends up challenging Picard to a duel. Which was an interesting way to go at the end of this episode because that's the first time, and I did say it, Picard has been shown to be very, very vulnerable because he's getting older and there's always been someone there to help him out. So I was thinking, okay, this is it. Picard is finally having to stand on his own two feet. But also in true Picard fashion, he refuses to fight a fight that, you know, this is a silly fight to have. I'm not going to do it. So he's got himself in this position now where this Romulan is going to kill him. Uh, Picard's refusing to fight. And Elnor turns up and rescues Picard. And takes the fight in his place and kills this Romulan. And it's a beautiful, beautiful moment where Picard is surrounded by you know, Romulans in the street. This kid has just killed this Romulan to protect him. And announces that you know he's part of the warrior clan and he's now gonna bind himself to Picard as his protector on whatever mission he's going on, so like none of these people are gonna interfere in it. So Picard finds himself in a good position now, strong position, and he could take this opportunity to say, you know, screw you guys, sort of a thing, but he doesn't do that. Absolutely brilliant. They have stayed so faithful to the Picard I remember and there's a, a heartfelt moment here where Picard takes the opportunity to basically apologise to the entire race of Romulans for the failure that he brought upon them and uh, it would be very very easy for anyone to like, in this position say look it wasn't my fault Starfleet screwed up, I was just following orders sort of thing, but that's not Picard. If he feels he's responsible and these people are blaming him and putting the responsibility on him, he's going to 100% take that on board and apologise. You know, even if 
he has got nothing to apologise for. But he does blame himself a heck of a lot for allowing Starfleet to go the way that it did. And really, really let the Romulans down. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, Elnor leaves the planet with Picard. They beam up onto the ship. Uh, Dr. Girardi meets them. And there seems to be a good bit of comic relief moments whenever Girardi comes on. Uh, you know, she's basically like the real outsider here. You know, she's a scientist. She's not the sort of person that's used to skipping across the galaxy, going on adventures. So she's kind of like the the everyman sort of a, a character. And, you know, Picard beams on board with Elnor after a really tense moment whenever they get there. And he's like, that Romulan did not deserve to die. If you're going to be working with me, you're going to come on this mission, you're going to be my protector, you're not going to hurt anyone unless it's called for, unless I tell you to do it. Uh, you need to be following orders if you're going to be on this mission of us. Uh, so he introduces Elnor to Dr. Girati. This is Elnor from the, the Warrior Clan. And uh, Elnor, uh, like, sort of, there's a back and forth. And she's kind of confused and she's like, you know, what does that mean? Sort of thing. You know, he comes out with this whole speech about who he is, where he came from, what the clan is. And uh, Picard says that they, they only bind themselves to a lost cause. <laughs> and another little bit of dry humour. That kind of freaks her out slightly. Uh, back in the board cube, Rizzo comes to see Narek again. Uh, Narek tells Rizzo that he can't push Soji too hard. Uh, he's afraid that she is going to... And we've seen this happening with Daj in episode one. Uh, he's afraid that she'll activate and they'll find themselves in a situation, they find themselves on Earth with Daj. Uh, again, Rizzo threatens him and she says, like, if you don't pull your head out, get this sorted. I'm going to do it for you, sort of a thing. And she she thinks that Soji is already, mo already more aware of what she is and reminds Narek that, you know, she was sent to the board cube for a reason. We don't know what it is yet. And uh, I will take things into my own hands if you don't sort this out. Beautiful little closure to this episode. Like I did say earlier on, there's a old school Romulan bird of prey that's under control of the, like the warlord that uh, is running the planet that Picard was on. And it was on course for Rios' ship, so we get that little space battle at the end of this episode. Uh, four episodes in, so by timing a little space fight in there. That looked good. Very much in the fashion of classic Star Trek. Uh, the, the way that Rios controls the ship is very, very different from what we're used to on Star Trek, but, you know... Uh, it works. It works incredibly well. He's he's got like a like a holographic kind of interface sort of thing. You know, it's like a closest thing you could compare it to would be uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man. You know, the way he had the computer holographic projections that floated in there, and he was able to move his hands about and do stuff off it. That's kind of like the 
uh, interaction between the ship's controls and Rios, absolutely brilliant. Uh, they're fighting the Bird of Prey. They're more manoeuvrable, not as strong in firepower, uh, not as fast as the Bird of Prey. So they're kind of trapped in a bad situation here at the moment. Uh, almost an impossible escape, but at the last second another ship appears out of nowhere. Um, straight away, I'm like, this has to be who I think it is. Uh, during the fight, they disable the, the Romulan Bird of Prey uh, by cutting one of its wings off. But the other ship gets heavily damaged during it, and it's starting to break up. And the atmosphere of the planet's going to bounce off the energy shield and get destroyed. And at the last second, Picard orders the pilot to be transported onto their ship. And of course, seven of nine materialises on the bridge of Rios's ship. Absolutely brilliant. I am looking forward to seeing what they do with seven and nine in this series. I've said it somewhere before in the reviews that, you know, her character from Voyager was just starting to get really, really interesting when the series finished. Uh, the last few episodes, like Seven of Nine, if you don't know, at one point, was assimilated, was assimilated by the Borg when she was very young, six, seven years old. She basically grew up in the collective as part of the Borg and... Eventually, the Voyager crew uh, rescue her from the collective disconnector, and she spent the last four or five seasons of Star Trek Voyager trying to reintegrate herself into humanity. But it was only within the last couple of episodes where she started to get romantically involved with uh, Commander Jakote on the Voyager, and the Doctor. And the la penultimate, but penultimate episode, I do believe, of the entire run of Voyager, I think he managed to operate on her and take out her emotional inhibitor. So, as I say, that was just at the very end of that series. So we're going to get an emotional seven of nine in this series. I can't wait to see what to do with her because she materialises and only has one line at the end of this episode. And she delivers that so much differently than the way we would remember Seven of Nine from Voyager delivering it. But at the same time, she has the same little, I don't want to say a twitch, but she's got this thing that she does with her head. It's kind of like this quick tilt sort of a thing, and she raises an eyebrow, kind of like, kind of like a tribute to the Spock character. He was good for throwing the one eyebrow in there, and she... Always had that sort of thing where you know she'd have this little head tilt and do a little eyebrow twitch sort of thing. Uh, she does that at the end of this episode, but the line that she delivers, uh, it's like a you owe me a ship, Picard, and then passes out and faints. Um, that one line, that delivery, again, so much different than what I remember. Oh, so so good. This episode was so much better than I was expecting it to be, guys. If you haven't checked out Star Trek Picard. Don't be listening to the haters online. There's been a lot of people giving it grief about, you know, different aspects of it. There was a lot of complaints that it was going to be uh, heavily political, and it's going to that it was going to take chunks out of uh, Brexit in the UK 
and uh, you know Donald Trump as the president of America. But you know what? It's that's Star Trek. It's not unheard of of Star Trek to go down a political route on some of the bigger storylines that they have. And there, it's it's happened multiple times in the past. It's nothing new. It should be no surprise to anyone if something like that happens on a Star Trek series. But the stuff that they are dealing with and handling at the minute is actually very, very good. And you know, again, it's, it's no surprise if you know the history of Star Trek. So definitely go check out the series. And I will be back next week with an hour review. Uh, whenever I get to see season 5 season 5, episode 5 this has been a production of Coins Edge Media thank you so much for listening